You're listening to Episode 7. Hello and welcome to What Leaders Know. It's the podcast for people on leadership journeys. I'm your host, Penny Beeston. I help people take their leadership to the next level. You can learn more about my leadership coaching and resources at whatleadersknow.com. My guest today is Kate Hillman. Kate's current role is with Ernst & Young as Oceana People Partner and People Advisory Services Leader for Queensland. Prior to joining EY, Kate was Managing Consultant in Public Sector Practice with IBM. Kate and I first crossed paths when we held senior roles with the Endeavour Foundation, a statewide NGO supporting people with disabilities. Kate was the Chief Information Officer at a pivotal time in the evolution of information management and she brings a wealth of experience and insights into a very diverse leadership journey. Welcome, Kate. Good morning, Penny. Thank you. We're recording today, Kate, during very uncertain times with COVID-19 disrupting lives around the globe. So before we get underway, I always ask this question of my guests. Why does leadership matter? However, today I'd really appreciate it if you would respond to this in the context of the current global disruption arising from COVID. So, Kate, why does leadership matter? Thanks, Penny. It's a really important question, I think, at this juncture in history. Uh, leadership always matters, but in particular when you're, uh, when you're leading people who are frightened, looking for answers, seeking certainty, uh, having a, a clear leadership voice that can guide them and support them, uh, that can lead transparently and honestly at a time like this is just so important. Uh, I've never experienced a time when people are so uh, thirsty for information and so ready to be guided in how they respond. So leadership is, is central to keeping everybody moving, particularly when how we behave uh, in a macro sense is so important. We need people to behave consistently at the moment um, to bring us through this as safely as possible. So leadership plays a key role in keeping everyone together and moving deliberately. The uncertainty of COVID adds a new layer of complexity to leadership. What takeaways would you leave for people responsible for leading people during our uncertain times, Kate? I would, I would recommend two critical things. One, look after yourself. So don't get too tired, don't get too hungry, don't get too cold. It's like look after your well-being as a leader. That's really important. You can't lead anyone without looking after your own well-being. And then look after your people. People who are, are, um, feel that they're cared for and supported uh, are going to be uh, more able to focus cognitively on the work that you're asking them to do. Uh, and I think then, you know, work towards safety. Uh, you know, one of the very clear things that uh, we are doing uh, as an organisation and I'm very focused on in my own uh, leadership at the moment is to put wellbeing and safety at the very front of the queue for considerations. Uh, we cannot have economic recovery without having uh, safety and wellbeing being for our workforce and all our people uh, and I think that's that's the critical piece and to give people room uh, to talk and connect about what they're feeling uh, and then having good structure around tasks that uh, gives people something they can control in a world that feels beyond their grasp but I think always looking through that lens of well-being and in particular mental health at a time like this is really important. I'd be interested in your early beginnings where did it start did you leave school, head to uni and go straight into the workforce? What was your journey? 
It always gives me a bit of a giggle when people ask me uh, that question, Penny, because, you know, I've, I've kind of been around people who've always said, you know, you must have a plan and a target and aim for it. I'm one of those dreadful, unstructured creatures, uh, and I go where my interest takes me. Uh, and back in the 80s and 90s, that probably wasn't um, the way things worked. But I think in the emerging world of the future of work, uh, you know, following your interests is, is really important. It doesn't mean you only ever get to work with what you're interested in of course but um, it certainly means that you're really into the work you're doing so yes I went straight from high school to tertiary study Uh, for my sins I did a year of dentistry uh, which was not that uh, exciting for me Uh, I moved from there into early childhood education Uh, I was pretty itchy to get overseas and travel and my parents really wanted me to have some qualification before I left so I duly wrapped up my my studies and uh, jetted off to Europe and spent a fair bit of time traveling Europe and doing all sorts of strange things and I think that was wonderful for me because it really taught me to believe in myself and be quite independent. Uh, when I came back to Australia I fell into the IT sector and that was because um, I had a cousin who worked with one of Australia's first computer-aided engineering firms um, and she was getting married and moving to Perth and uh, she said I should go for her role which was a secretary role which I took uh, but I was really interested in the work that they were doing it was my first foray into technology and so I really uh, spent my time in that company learning more about technology and then transitioning into um, you know system administration but I was always interested in how do you use technology to get a business outcome so I migrated through a range of different technology organizations. So you pivoted from secretarial into back-of-office IT software and developing some expertise in that. So what was the trigger to moving to where you could influence the end-user experience? And more specifically, in relation to your career shift into the Endeavour Foundation? I think the thing that happened to me, uh, and particularly when I went into the Endeavour Foundation, was... You know, how do you actually derive value from technology? So rather than just how do you do the technology, I was interested in how do you derive value from it? And so it became apparent to me really quickly that giving people a new system and talent, training them on what buttons to hit when um, was less value than making sure that people understood why you were implementing that technology and what benefits you were seeking from the technology so that people could self-direct and derive better value from the system than just the process flows they were given. Uh, and that, of course, then led me uh, into more senior levels of IT and then uh, I decided that I was more interested in the people side of the equation. So I moved from technology into uh, looking at people, organisational change and transformation. So it's been a little bit of a dog's hind leg journey, <laughs> but, um, but I think there's, there's value in that as well. That is a journey. What takeaway would you leave for people who might be listening to this and post-COVID, pandemics come and go, and as we know, COVID too will pass and people will get back into the rhythm of life. And for some of them, they'll go on the journey that you speak of. They'll want to head off and have a gap year. So you really did some interesting things and, you know, you explored a little bit of dentistry and decided that wasn't wasn't um, what floated your boat. And then early childhood, you did your studies in that area, but you actually didn't end up following either of those as a career. So what takeaway would you leave for people who are similarly placed post-COVID? 
Yeah, look, it's a really good question. Um, and I certainly had friends that went ahead with their studies and are very accomplished um, and deeply skilled in the areas that they started their study in and have followed through. I'm a different uh, soul, but I think for those people who, who take the similar journey to me, every experience is useful. You know, I, I worked in restaurants overseas and it taught me a lot about uh, communication and it taught me a lot about respect for others and how I would like to be treated. Uh, so every experience, everything you do, there will be a learning and a takeaway. And if you can hold yourself open to those experiences and really understand that what might seem like a, a simple job comes with lots of challenges uh, like any job does, uh, whether it's just how you interrelate with other people or something very deeply technical. So be open, test things and recognise that every experience you have contributes to who you are and how you do things. Um, the stepping stones are fine and there is something um, about a varied career that uh, compiles a, a range of uh, ways of seeing the world that then become really valuable lenses because if you take on a senior leadership role, you're dealing with the broad diaspora of human beings and the more you've engaged with them in different settings and different ways and in different roles uh, the more likely you are to be able to encompass and understand what they're what they're feeling at a given time now turning to your experiences in a for-purpose organization kate which was the endeavor foundation what insights did you gain from that experience that enriched your work in the corporate sector yeah, look, that, that's a really good question and I, and I do think there's a convergence almost occurring at the moment in some places where the recognition of purpose as a way of galvanising um, activity and, and activating a workforce. So when I was with the uh, Endeavour Foundation, you know, their purpose was just very uh, tangible and meaningful for me and for the staff that worked there. If you really wanted to get something done at Endeavour, you would talk about what it meant to, to the clients of Endeavour, what it meant for people with an intellectual disability. And that was the thing that got everybody uh, focused. That was the thing that made everything happen and it really was um, an energising purpose. Uh, I think that we know now that organisations need to exist beyond their own financial outcomes and that organisations that are driven by purpose are, are much more successful, but that purpose has to be a higher-order purpose. It needs to be a humanistic purpose. And so I think I was very fortunate in being able to bring that understanding over into the corporate sector um, to be able to really think about what is the purpose that will allow our people to come together um, and to be crystal clear in the outcome that they're seeking? And at EY, we, we talk about building a better working world, and that is our clear purpose. So that ability to look at something and, um, and to say, is doing this in line with our purpose is doing this actually, uh, does it fly in the face of our purpose? Will it actually undermine? It looks like in, in the short order that it's a financially sound thing to do, it's a legally sound thing to do, and we have the skills for it. But really, will it contribute to building a better working world? So I was able to kind of harness that understanding around purpose from being in the NGO sector and bring that across to the commercial sector because you know, what a, what a wonderful thought that we could all be working towards those higher-order outcomes for our whole community um, and thinking beyond the short-term financial uh, benefit that you might get. So when you're working within the corporate sector, how do you share your insights into the power of purpose? 
I was very fortunate. We actually support our clients with thinking through their purpose and activating it, and we also do it for ourselves internally. And uh, I have a wonderful colleague, Jenny McLaughlin, who uh, has been instrumental in implementing for EY in Oceania. But I think for me what I've experienced is when you talk to people about those higher-order objectives and outcomes – People lean into that really well. There's always that big question of, well, is it commercial? And to me, you still need to be able to pay people, right? And you still need to be able to be sustainable to deliver those services and outcomes to your clients and the community. So now that you're a people change leader and you're working with corporates, how do you leverage that for-purpose experience to influence their uptake of this approach to business? My experience is organisations lean into that quite well. Sorry, that's a bit of consultant speak when I say lean in, but they engage with it strongly. You know, most people want to do the right thing. Most people want to have a better world. Uh, And I think the other important thing is there's fantastic data around how purpose-led organisations outperform in all measures, uh, organisations that are not led by purpose. So, you know, you have better financial outcomes when you're led by purpose. When you're crystal clear about your purpose, you actually prevent the kind of shotgun expenditure sometimes that actually undermines the organisation because everybody's pulling very clearly in the same direction. So it is embraced by corporate when you can demonstrate the benefits and the value, but it is embraced by the people uh, because most people want to be doing something that is more than punching in and punching out. When you say most people want to be doing more than punching in and punching out, it is fair to say that leaders coming through now need to be able to connect with and embrace that emerging desire in people to find purpose beyond the bottom line. Absolutely. I think in the absence of that, uh, organisations will struggle to compete for the best talent. There's no doubt in my mind that that's true. Kate, for people on their own leadership journeys who are tuned into this podcast, What insights can you share in relation to influencing their company to adopt a purpose-driven approach? Yeah, so I think the importance of purpose is that it really needs to be that higher-order humanistic outcome. So it's beyond the performance of the processes that we do. So what is the higher-order outcome that we're seeking? You know, at EY, we would say building a better working world. It's fairly important that it's an organisational-wide purpose because otherwise you find it very easy to go off strategy for your organisation. So linking with other leaders to talk through what how you might articulate your purpose. Um, the articulation of purpose is really critical because that's what will capture the hearts and minds. The other thing I would say is it needs to be a purpose that is meaningful to your workforce, to your business leaders, to all of your stakeholders, community and clients. Uh, It really needs to resonate with everyone to be powerful because you're trying to get the right outcomes for your clients by working with your people in the right way, in a way that is consistent and respectful of the community and the circumstances that you're operating in. So really trying to think holistically about that and get your people involved. Your people really want to be part of that purpose articulation. So organisations that work with their people to articulate a purpose that's greater than the organisation will be able to tap into a wellspring of good vibes for their culture. 
Yeah, and they drive they drive a change in culture when you move with the grassroots first. It is um, it's really important, I think, to make sure your people are involved in that. And if you get great performance out of a team that's working to a strong purpose, then you might be able to win the respect of the leadership in order to move in that direction. So I think it's about, so what are the outcomes we would really like to get? Sometimes uh, when we talk about building a better working world, I'll have a chat with one of my tax practitioners, you know, and they'll say, well, how do I contribute to that? Well, you know, the tax system's actually essential to providing uh, the services that we enjoy as a community and it's helping people sometimes join the dots through to that. But then it's the how. You know, how do what I do on a daily basis coming into my team, how does it support other people? How does it allow us to make sure that our team is healthy and happy in the way that we actually finish our work? How do we talk to each other about sharing the load of work? How do we talk to each other about improving through coaching and supporting each other. So maybe you could have a purpose that's about the well-being of your team, about the quality of the outcomes that you achieve for your customers, whether they're internal to your business or external to your business. So, yeah, purpose is, is critical and, and that hearts and minds piece, you know, we can't have heart without mind and we can't have mind without heart. We, we really become quite fractured. So if you can actually embrace people's desire to do a great job, you can cover so many benefits in that uh, to the organisation and to the individual. On any day, some of our listeners will be contemplating the next step in their own careers. Earlier you said that you're not a planner. However, you have embarked on a successful leadership career. You made a number of pivots in your career. For listeners contemplating a career shift, what insights would you share from your own experiences? Do you know, it's a really good question, Penny, and I think it can be different for people based on their risk appetite. So I don't have any children. That certainly made it easier for me to take leaps of faith in my career uh, because um, I haven't had to worry about will I be able to feed the kids and I think that's a very practical consideration for a lot of people. So there has been a level of agility that has been, a, a you know, fortunate for me in my career, um, although I miss out on the joys of, of kids. So, you know, it's, it's always um, uh, the grass can be always greener on the other side of the fence. But I do think now understanding that change has two faces, risk and opportunity, uh, and I am optimistic by nature and so I've, I've often had a shot at things Things that are that are going to be quite a stretch for me, and I know that that can be terrifying to some people. But that is where you get the great leaps forward in your career. What I would say is that if you are not learning anything new anymore, it's definitely time. You know, if you're not in a role where you're going to be learning new things, experiencing a bit of stretch, then that's probably, you know, a sign to you that you're ready for, for something else. It's quite funny. I have this visual image in my head about um, about life and it's kind of, it's a bit of a Tarzan movie, you know, and there's all those vines hanging in the jungle and you've got to let go of one vine to grab the next one sometimes. There's that that leaping between spaces it's just sometimes allowing yourself to let go of something in order to be able to embrace the new and to keep moving you know I think that's important I think what we're experiencing at the moment with the black swan of COVID uh, and there will be others you know uh, and there have been in history 
is that suddenly we have to deal with change. And I think one of the huge benefits of Australian society has been, you know, the, the workplace conditions that the unions have worked very hard for. What I do worry about is where we sit in those conditions without changing them. And so that change muscle that we all have doesn't get flexed very often. And then people believe that they can't change because they haven't changed maybe for a decade. So I think we have to be very clear to protect people, but also um, not protect them so much that they're no longer exercising the dignity of risk that goes with negotiating change. So everybody's change muscle is being stretched through this crisis. And I think one of the, one of the big challenges for us all is how do we move beyond that muscle aching and hurting until we get back to, to not changing again? How do we instead use it like a, the first day of boot camp to keep growing our ability to flex and change and believe in our ability to do that? So I think that's probably my major reflections around, um, how do you shift career gears and how do you know when? They were great insights with visuals, Kate. I love the concept of strengthening our change muscles as we swing from vine to vine in the career jungle. If listeners are keen to flex their change muscles, what would you suggest they can work on right now to be change ready when the opportunities arise? Look, it's a, it's a really good question, Penny, and I think for the, for the time being, uh, for people in one way to reflect on how much they've already changed quickly. So there's certainly, I think, some experiences that everybody has had through COVID that have shown us that even when it's difficult, we do have the capacity to shift and change. So embrace that, really acknowledge that, look at yourself and go, I, I was able to do that. I think reach out to your network and that network, by the way, can be anyone. They can be friends. Everybody has a different experience of doing things. So, you know, lean into that. Use the time we have now um, to connect with people and talk things through. If there's something that particularly um, is an aspiration for you or even a real fear about the way you're going to take your, your career forward, you know, use this time to explore what that really means to you. And I think one of the things I would say is, you know, the fear of, of trying to stretch your career goals is often greater than the reality. Um, and so really examining what it is that you're fearful of and what it is that the risk actually is allows you to be able to put in strategies and address that. So lean into your friendships, lean into your colleagues to have those important conversations now and think about what you're learning and how you might turn that into your next opportunity. I think it's it's the art of being present and really evaluating what is around you and within you at the moment that can be really helpful at a time like this. Kate, you have taken us on a journey today sharing insights and experiences that will resonate with our listeners and help them on their own journeys to leadership. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you, Penny. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you would like a resource to prompt you to stretch your change muscle, or if you're looking for support to take your career to the next level, head on over to my website, whatleadersknow.com, where you'll be able to download the resource along with show notes from this episode. I look forward to your company next week. Until then, happy days and stay safe. I'm Penny Beeston and this has been What Leaders Know.